This is the Austin Life Church podcast. For more information, please visit us at austinlifechurch.com. All right, so we are going to be in John chapter 10. If you have a Bible, I invite you to turn to it. Um, if you don't have a Bible, uh, you probably saw that there were some outside. Um, and, and always know that we would love for you to have one of those. Um, we just think that, I mean, there's a lot of voices in the world, but there's only one that is true, uh, and we believe it comes from here. And so we want everybody to have a copy of this. If you don't own a Bible, take one with you. And if you've got a friend who doesn't have one, take it and give it away. Uh, we just want people to have uh, these words. And so uh, John chapter 10 is where we're going to be. The verses will also be on the, the screen. Um, so hopefully I won't, I don't think I'm tall enough to really be in the way. Um, so that's good. So I want to ask you a question. Uh, what, what do you want? Like right here, right now, if you were given a, a chip or something that you could cash in for one request, like you could ask one thing and, and you'd walk out of here with it. Um, it's like an Oprah show, right? Like you're just going to get everything you, you, you want and head out. Um, what do you want? What's the, what's the one thing that uh, you would say, I'll take this? Maybe it's a, a new job you've been applying for or looking for. Or a relationship, a lo- love, significant other that you, you'd like to be married or have a family. Maybe it's rest. Your schedule is just so crazy you just want to slow down and rest. Maybe it's, it's more money or it's success in your career. It's recognition. Uh, maybe it's, it's new things, a new car, a new house. Uh, what, what is it? Just think through it real quick. Like, don't overthink it. What would be the one thing that you would want? I was reading an article, a 2016 article um, posted in the Huffington Post. It's titled, The Top 10 Things People Want in Life But Can't Seem to Get. I feel like it's too lengthy of a title, but I'm not a writer, um, so maybe I I don't know what I'm talking about. But uh, that was the article, The Top 10 Things People Want in Life But Can't Seem to Get. Um, And so they went down 10 to 1. Number one, the top thing that the majority of people said that they want in their life, happiness. I was like, bingo. Nailed it. Happiness. Everybody wants to be happy. Every single 7.6 billion or however many you know, billion people there are today, every person who's lived in the history of the world, everyone wants to be happy. From Adam and Eve to me and you, from, from the, you know, the president to the pope to the, to the athlete to the no-name, like everybody wants that common theme of, of walking away and saying, man, I am, I'm satisfied with life. Like there's this unflinching contentment that no matter what is coming around, like we're good. We all want to make the most out of life. Whatever it is that you thought about, it it could be different from everybody else, but it all boils down to we want what we want because we think it'll make us happy. Like that's just how we're wired as people. We chase after things ultimately that we think will will satisfy us, that, that will give us the most in life. The 13th century priest, Thomas Aquinas, uh, he said there is within every soul, every single person, a thirst for happiness and meaning. I mean, I don't know what your wish list would be, but I guarantee you every single one of us, we want that. We, we, want, we want to be happy in life. We want to make the most out of life, the things that we chase after. That, that's ultimate, that's behind it all. It's the search of, of humanity. And here's the good news of the Bible, is that there is an answer. There there is an answer for what we are all looking for. 
Jesus tells us that he came that we would have life and have it abundantly. Man, if, if nothing else that you hear or, or think or, or get from today, my prayer is that you walk away knowing that Jesus came for you to have life and to have it abundantly. Uh, John chapter 10 is where we, we see Jesus say that. He said, Mike read it in verse 10, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. So that's one side of it, right? The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Man, I love, like Jesus could have just said, like, I came that they would have life. Done. Good. Awesome. Like, yeah. But he, then he adds that, that extra, that superlative, and have it abundantly. Uh, abundantly, that they would have life and have it abundantly. He came, he stepped out of heaven, he left what was his, he, he came to earth to take the position of a servant, to die on the cross, to rise from the dead, so that he could bring us life and bring it in abundance. I mean, that, that word, the Greek word uh, abundance is parasos, and the definition is pertaining to a quantity so abundant as to be far more than one would expect or anticipate. Pertaining to a quantity so much that you think like, man, this is the best in life. This is where it just tops out. This is it. And Jesus is like, come on, man, we're just getting started. Like you're thinking here and Jesus is thinking way beyond that. To this per amount that is beyond what we imagine that, that we come and man, we want to fill our cup up. And he's like, yeah, fill it up more. And we fill it up to the top. And Jesus like, no, just let it flow over. Like abundance. It's just all the goodness is just flowing over the top. Like that is the life that Jesus came to bring. Abundant, overflowing, extravagant, superfluous life for you and for me. I mean, I think so often we, we think that God is against us. That, that he's, he's holding back from us. That we want this, this new job and it's not happening. We've prayed and we asked and it didn't happen and, and God's holding that back. Or we, we long to be, to be married, to have a family and for whatever reason we're just not. And we think, man, God's holding back on me. Like God doesn't want what's best for me. Health fades, disaster strikes and we turn and we're like, God, what's going on? What, what's happening? Man, the good news is that God is actively for us. Man, we, we, we so often just think he's against us or maybe neutral at best, but he is actively for us. I was looking over some journal notes recently uh, and came back across Psalm 56, which uh, I just love that psalm. And there's a, there's a line in there uh, that, David, that David says that just stood out to me. So David writes this psalm, Psalm 56, after he has been captured by the Philistines. Like these aren't just people that don't really like him. These are people that want him dead. Like they, they want to take his head off. And he's been captured by the Philistines and he writes this psalm and he says stuff like, all day long my enemies, they rise up against me. They, they, they injure my cause. He says that, God, you have kept count of my tossings. You've put my tears in your bottle. Anybody who just had a, night, a sleepless night where you're just tossing back and forth? David had that night and he's like, God, you kept count of every time I tossed. You ever just cried uncontrollably because things are falling apart? I mean, David had that day and he's like, God, you... You captured them in a bottle, like you're, you're measuring my tears. He's having a bad day. And then he says this incredible line, in the middle of this psalm, in the middle of this scenario, this I know, that God is for me. Like in the middle of all of that, and he's like, this I know, no, more than anything else, I know this, that God is for me. 
I mean, I read this in my journal just in a season for me that was probably the darkest season that I've ever encountered. Just literally sleepless nights, man, just times of depression and guilt and shame and just a deep struggle questioned God, doubted God, didn't know what was going on. My family suffered. I'm, just, I'm reading this and I, this is when I read this psalm that in all of that, God is for me. Man, I have no clue what you walked in here with. I don't know what happened last night. I don't know what happened the week before. I, I, I don't know what, what the month has looked like. I don't know what the years, I don't know what hurts have come. I don't know who's hurt you. I don't, everybody's got their own story, but here's what God wants us to hear today. No matter what, he is for you. The God of the Bible is actively for you. He wants the best. I, I don't know how to answer all the questions. I, I, don't, I don't know. And there's just things that happen that I look at, I'm like, I don't, I don't get this. But what we have to hold tightly to in the good days and the bad and every day in between is that Jesus came that we would have life and have it abundantly. This I know, God is for me. He's for you. Whatever is happening right here, right now, God is for you and for more than we can wildly imagine. He's for us. So what is this abundant life that Jesus came to bring us? He, he came that we'd have life and have it abundantly. So, so what is that? Does that mean that my wildest dreams will come true? I want to have a lot of money. Jesus is going to give me a lot of money. Is that what this is saying? Like I want to be healthy and live a long life. Is that Jesus is going to bring me health? I want to have a family. So like I'm just going to rub my bottle and Jesus, the Jesus genie will come out and give me everything I want. Is that what John 10 is saying? Because it's important to know what abundant life is because if we're not on the same page with Jesus, we're probably just going to end up mad at him when our definition of life doesn't match up with his definition of life. Then we're just going to be angry, right? And so we need to know what he means by abundant life. And Psalm 1611 is a verse that, man, just it has struck to me and, and I think defines it perfectly. David writes again, God, you have made known to us the path of life. And in your presence, in his presence, is the fullness of joy. At his right hand, at, at the Lord's right hand, are pleasures forevermore. And we, we all want this abundant life that Jesus offers. And the Bible tells us that life is a life lived with God. That's an abundant life. A life lived in the presence of God. St. Augustine, he, he wrote this beautiful line. He said, you have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. We've been created for God. Our hearts are naturally gonna be restless and broken until they are resting in him. Matthew Henry was a pastor in the 1700s. Uh, he's a writer as well. And at 52, he was on his deathbed nearing the end. He'd already buried his first wife and three kids. And that is a hard life. And he said to a friend near the end of his life, he said, a life spent in the service of God and in communion with him is the most comfortable and pleasant life that one can live in this present world. Abundant life is a life lived with God. Growing in his presence, knowing him more and more and more and more. It's an ever increasing capacity of joy with God. You and I, we're created for that. 
That's why we're here. That's our purpose. That's how we work best is with God. And that's where abundant life is found. In his presence. Knowing him, loving him, following him. Jesus says in Luke 9, if you want to find your life, you've got to lose it and follow me. If you want to find life, you've got to walk away from what you think is life and follow me because I'll give it to you. So what's gone wrong? Man, every one of us also knows that something's broken. Right? Something is off. We've all had those moments. We've all had those days where like, that's not abundant life. Like something is missing here. So what has gone wrong? Look back at the first half of, of verse 10. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. There's an active enemy right now working to steal, kill, and destroy the life that God came for you to have. There's an active enemy. The, the, the devil is real. He's not just some imaginary red figure with like a pointy tail and some horns and a pitchfork. Like the devil is real. He's an active enemy seeking to destroy us. It says in the beginning that, that, that Satan was an angel, but he wanted to take God's spot. Like he wanted to be the big boss and God, God's not having that. And so he cast Satan out of heaven along with the other angels that were trying to overthrow God. And from that point on, the devil's purpose is destruction. He wants to destroy your life and my life. He is set on that. First Peter says he is a prowling lion looking for someone to devour. Man, there's an active enemy seeking to destroy from the life that God wants for us. That's why things have gone wrong. And we see that in the very beginning. Genesis 1 and 2, things are perfect. Adam and Eve are walking in perfect relationship with God. Abundant life. Their relationships with each other is perfect. Everything is going great. And then Satan comes in and starts to tempt them. And he's like, hey, 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 don't, don't look at God. He's holding back on you. You see that tree over there that he told you not to eat from? That's because he doesn't want what's best for you. He's trying to keep stuff back from you. You go eat from that tree and you'll be like God. You'll get everything that you want. And so Genesis 3 says that, that Eve took her eyes off of God and looked around her and saw that the fruit was pleasing to her eyes and she took it and she ate it. She walked away from God to do her own thing. I got this, God. I know better. I'm going to come over here. I'm going to eat this, this fruit. And the Bible says that that is sin. And from that point on, everything broke. The relationship that we had with God, the relationship with each other, the world we live in is broken because of sin, of walking away from God. And all of us have done it. Romans 3 says, all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. We've all walk in, walked away from the life that God created us for, to look around and choose our own things, to, to think that other things will satisfy us more than God. In, in John chapter 10, there's a, a debate happening. Two groups of people. One group of people is saying that religious action is the way to God. And the other group of people is thinking, I think Jesus is it. And they're divided and Jesus is stepping in the middle to say, religion will never satisfy you. It's not good enough. It's always going to come up short. Being a Christian is not about religion. It's about following God and having life in him. Now, I read another article about happiness. And this author, she said, no one else will make you happy. No thing can make you happy. Only you can make you happy. It's that self-enlightenment. Only you know what's best for you. You're your boss. You're your own God. You know the best path to life. It was the original temptation, and it's still here today. 
We chase after relationships and things and success and jobs, and we, we hope that it will satisfy. And it's not that it's a bad thing. It's just not ultimately going to satisfy. The happily ever after is not always going to be happy. Right? The, the new car smell, it's going to fade away in a month or two. The, the money that we hope will get us things, like we don't take that with us. Like none of these things last. They don't ultimately satisfy Jack Higgins is a, a great example of this. Now, according to what most people are looking for, Jack had it all. He, he's a, a world-known author, um, and many of his books have turned into movies. He's written not, not one or two, but 84 novels that are international bestsellers. Um, I think the one that, that I knew the most was The Eagle Has Landed. Anybody else know that, that movie or that book? Um, it, it's, he's got, gosh, I don't know how many. And he's got almost everything that people are looking for. I mean, his millions have millions. He's got more money he knows what to do with. He's got one of those mansions on a private island. Like, you don't just buy the house. You buy the island that the house is on. He's got one of those. He's got a family. He's got kids. He's got possessions. And yet, not long ago, someone asked Jack, right? This ultimate person has it all. He's like, okay, Jack, what do you wish someone would have told you 20 years ago when you were younger? And, you know, we'd think he'd be like, hey, stay in school. Like, be smart. Work hard. Chase your dreams. Go after it all, and you'll get what you want. And Jack's answer shocked everybody. He said, I wish somebody would have told me that when you get to the top, there's nothing there. <sighs> From the guy who has it all, right? Everything we think can make us happy. He says, when you get up there, you're just going to look around and there's nothing there. It doesn't last. It doesn't satisfy. And that's what the thief, that's what the enemy wants us to do. He wants us to look around and think that other things are going to fill the void that only God can do. And it's not, it's not going to last. It's not going to satisfy. Proverbs 14, 12 says, There's a way that seems right to the man, but in the end leads to death. There's a way that seems right, man. It looks good, but in the end it's going to lead to death. There's an active enemy looking to steal, kill, and destroy. But there's another one on the other side of the coin working for us. There's another one on the other side of it working for our good, and that one is far greater than the enemy. That one is far greater than the greatest attacks that we can have. That's what Jesus says. He comes to show us the way. In verse 7, he said, Truly I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers. He talks about these other doors, these other options, and they're thieves and they're robbers. And the thing about thieves is no one like walks up and is like, hey, I'm fixing to rob this place, right? Like thieves are in disguise. They want to look good. They want to look like they're going to be satisfying, and they're just going to leave us short. They're all thieves and robbers. Jesus says, though, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. He says, if anybody comes through me, if anybody trusts in me, they will find abundant life. That's what that means to find peace and pasture, to come in and out. It's freedom and security and life. Jesus says there's all kinds of other options today. Today, right here, right now, there's all kinds of options for us to go after. But he says he is the only door that leads to life. Only through Jesus. Faith alone in him. Everything else will steal and rob from us at some level only Jesus. So how does that work? Like how, how does trusting in Jesus, how does entering through him lead us to this abundant life that he wants for us? Like, well, how does that work? 
And he tells us because he is the good shepherd who does the work needed on our behalf. He is the good shepherd that leads the way, that goes to the furthest extremes in order to lead us to life. He does all the work needed on our behalf. Jesus uses this illustration of a shepherd and a sheep, and he says, the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, yet he does not own the sheep. He sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and runs off, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. And all those other options, they don't ultimately care about you. They don't care about us. They don't. But he says, verse 14, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay my life down for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also so they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock and one shepherd. For this reason, the father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. And Jesus, he says that he is a good shepherd who comes and does the work on our behalf. Left on their own, sheep will never make it to green pastures. Like sheep have to have a shepherd or they're never going to make it. One, sheep just wander aimlessly. They don't see well. They're not the brightest creatures. Like they'll just literally wander all over the place. Like they'll, they'll come to green pastures and they'll just keep going. They have to have someone leading the way or they'll just find themselves lost and in trouble. Man, I have a four-year-old son who sees something and he loves it and he takes off, not looking to see if there's a multi-ton vehicle coming down the road to to run him over, right? Like, I've got to go in front of him and be like, dude, stop or this car is going to kill you. You know, like, that's how sheep are. They're just going to run after something. They need a shepherd to lead the way. Sheep also can't fend for themselves. Like, they can't fight back against attacks, like I was thinking about this image, just like I've seen National Geographic where like a water buffalo will fight back against a lion. I guarantee you've never seen the episode where there's a sheep fighting back against a lion, right? Like it's just not going to go well for the sheep. Not a chance. And so Jesus, he says, you know, I am the shepherd. I'm the good shepherd. I care for my sheep. I lead the way. I'm patient with them. I walk with them. I show them the way and I lay down my life if necessary. I fight against the enemies that come in. No one else does that. I'm the good shepherd that fights against them. Isaiah 53 says, we are all like sheep who have gone astray, each to his own way. And we've all wandered off. We've all taken our eyes off of God and looked after what we thought was best and went after it. And that separates us from the life that God created us for. But Jesus is our good shepherd. He cares for us. And he came and he stepped down in our place to do the work on our behalf that we could not do. He came to go in front of us and to lead us to life, to show us the way, the door back to the life that God created us for. He came and he laid down his life in our place. The Bible says because of our sin, we have a record of guilt against God. We owe him a price. If I get a speeding ticket, I got to go in and pay a penalty. I mean, when I sin against God, I have a penalty against him. And I cannot pay that price. It's too steep. So Jesus came in and he laid down his life to pay that price in my place. But it's not just important that he laid down his life. It's also important that he took it back up. Because, yeah, he can be a shepherd and lay down his life, but then he's just a dead shepherd. But he's not dead. 
What changes everything is that Jesus came back to life and conquered the greatest enemy we know, death. It's got around 100% success rate. Only Jesus has overcome it. Only Jesus, the, the I am who has come to make a way, has come to give us life. Only Jesus can do that. Nothing else will give us life. And he invites us in. Come, follow me. Trust me, and I'll give you life. I'll give you abundant life with God and ever-increasing joy in the presence of God. Choose life. Choose life. Don't ever settle for less than what Jesus came to bring you, which is life with God. In seminary, um, Stephanie and I got married and we moved to South Fort Worth uh, right away to, for me to go to seminary. So I was a full-time student and I, was, I had this job and I was making next to nothing, right? But it's okay because Stephanie was going to be my sugar mama. She was going to go get this fat job and she was going to pay for everything. I was going to fly through school and we were going to be good. But then four months into our marriage, we find out that she's two months pregnant. And I was like, time out, God, that's not what we planned. Like we did not draw it up this way. And so then, who knew that childcare costs so much, right? So we're like, okay, like you can still work. No, like the childcare was going to cost more than her paycheck. We were going to owe more money from her working. And so we're like, okay, well then, I guess you'll just stay home. And so uh, somehow the Lord, I mean, the Lord is faithful. That's how. There's no other way other than God providing for us that we were able to make it through seminary. But we had no money. And so we didn't go out to eat a lot. And so when we would go out to eat, like we were, we were sitting there like, okay, can we share a meal? Like how old can we like be like, no, no, you just eat off of our plate before we have to buy our kids their own plate, right? Like we're just trying to figure all these things out. You know, the, the waiter comes up and they're like, can I get you a drink? Waters, everybody. You know, how about an appetizer? Just bring me the rolls, you know, just keep them coming, right? Like we're just trying to go as cheap as we possibly can. We didn't go out to eat much. We just couldn't afford it. Around the same time in seminary, um, Stephanie's mom and dad, they paid for us to go on a cruise. Y'all, I'm just saying, cruises are legit. Like, they're the, they are fantastic, you know? And so, it, everything's great. My favorite part about a cruise, though, is dinner. Like, that's, I, I, I'll go on a cruise again just for dinner, you know? And so, I show up to dinner, and I'm looking at this menu, and I'm, I'm struggling on what to order, because they also told me that the menu changes every night, right? And so, I'm like, well, what do I get? Like, I don't ever order steak. Should I get the steak? But that has lobster ravioli. I don't, lobster's never on my menu, right? Like, what do I choose? And then my mother-in-law said the words that changed my world. She said, get both. I was like, time out. No, 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 no. <laughs> what? She's like, it's already paid for. Like, get as much as you want of whatever you want. Game changer, y'all. I was on the two by two by two plan, two appetizers, two entrees, two desserts. Man, I was like, give me three of those, one of those. Oh, let me try something. Like I was trying everything because it was already paid for, right? But how silly would it be for me to, to have everything laid out before me, abundant life, and to live on a seminary budget? And be like, no, 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 I, I, we got to share this plate because, man, it's paid for. And Jesus came and he, he offers his life, abundant life, and he pays the price. Like he pays it in full. We'd be silly to settle for less. And it'd be an insult to the gift to settle for less. 
The thief, man, he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Nothing else will satisfy Jesus. He came that he would have, we'd have life and have it abundantly, and he gives us the free way. Choose life. Choose the life with God that you're created to have that Jesus freely offers by faith in him. Don't settle for less ever. Now, I don't know, I don't know how you're thinking here, what, what, what is going through your head, but we all, we all respond in some way to this. And so maybe you're hearing this and you're like, no, I don't, I don't buy it. And that's okay. Let me just invite you to keep coming back. In John 9, the, the context that Jesus is talking about, there was this blind guy who Jesus healed. He, he touched his life and gave him sight. And that guy was still like, I'm not really sure who he is, but he, but he made me see. Man, sometimes God is going to touch your life and do something in your life before you ever believe. And that's what's going to move you to a place of faith. And so I just invite you, man, come check it out. Even, even if you're like, I don't know about all this, just come and see. Just come and see. Maybe this, I was praying that God would bring someone here that right now would go, I, I want life. I've never really tasted that, and I want it. And the invitation for you is come. Jesus says, come eat, come drink, come be satisfied in me. And it's simply a trusting in him. Trusting that Jesus, he, he's the one that pays the price. He's the one that removes your sin on the cross. And because he's alive, he's able to offer you that exchange. He'll take your sin and he'll give you new life if you simply trust him and believe him. And so that's the invitation even now. You just believe and trust. I mean, I'm sure there's many who've been a Christian for a long time. It doesn't change the fact that we try to grab hold of things that don't satisfy. That we try to run after things that are not better than God. And the invitation from Jesus is, okay, let's forget what's behind us and let's move forward. Let's move forward to life, to what's good, to what's true, to never settle for less than what Jesus brought you. Right here, right now, we can move forward in freedom and in life. And so I want to invite you uh, to just respond to God. And we'll just take a minute um, and just silently, um, just before you and God, to, to talk with him and to listen to him and to respond with whatever he says. And we'll have some folks who, who would love to pray for you. If you'd love to pray, we'll have some here and then some in the back. And we just love to pray with you and maybe talk with you. Um, anything that you want. But I just want to invite you, just you and God, um, to listen and to say and to respond however um, he would have you to respond. And then we will uh, continue in worship. Thanks for tuning in to the Austin Life Church podcast. To help support us, please take a second to rate and review us on iTunes and visit us at austinlifechurch.com. 